Good morning, YouTubers. We are here for this week's Yawa, and we have a few announcements. Announcements, announcements, announcements. One, you've asked for merch, so we uh, scoured the interwebs and found uh, probably... The coolest the- mugs. A, we didn't want just any mugs. Oh, so we got all hand-thrown, uh, handmade, fancy mugs. You can check them out on our store. Um, as well as we have another new hat design. So if you haven't checked out our hats, lids, caps section on our website, you should check that out. We have these as well as we have two or three more designs that are on the way. I got confirmation that one is shipping that look pretty cool. And then we're still in the process of finding some sweet action. Uh, Patches slash embroidery slash something for my ladies hats. and That have the high ponytail spot. Yeah, to when be you're sassy. <laughs> sassy. But it's been kind of a work in progress and I'm being picky because I can be picky. Yeah, we want stuff to be right, not just half-assed, so... We have one other really cool story to share with you guys. We love getting feedback like this, and this is just one example of a situation where we are so happy that we were able to help one of our patrons. But before we tell you that, we want to let you know that uh, currently 66% per- per- percent of you that watch this video are not subscribing, so please subscribe. subscribe. All right, now. We've talked a lot about Patreon and how we can help you with your specific situations. For example... And it doesn't have to just be a training session. What do you mean it doesn't have to be a training session? It could be... We are not counselors. It could be a... Don't be talking about your other problems now. I just want to talk about dogs. Well, I didn't say not dogs, but I didn't (laughs) say just a specific training situation. Like, I can't get my dog to go on their dog bed or something. Uh, It could be as... This example of a potty training problem. Yeah, so training-related questions and issue-related questions, we're happy to answer. Behavioral. As long as they're they're dog-related, we are happy to answer them. Remember that. Um, (laughs) I'm not a counselor. All right, so we've got... uh, To put this into perspective, so a lot of times we get questions from people, and they're fairly generic, like... I have a five and a half month old dog. Thanks, Mike. And I am struggling with potty training. What are some tips that you can help me to get my dog? And it's like, well, there's a lot of things that could be going on here. I need more information. That's usually the first thing that we ask is... Talk about your routine. What is your dog eating? What what have you tried? What are you doing? When is it happening? All of these things. Well, we get this message on Patreon... And he goes over the fact that his dog is five and a half months old. And he thought to begin with, they were doing a pretty good job developing good habits and seemed to have drastically regressed over the last few weeks to the point where puppy will go outside, won't do anything, will come back in, immediately run to the other room. He said, we know where she's going because she just bolts, runs. And by the time we can get to her, she's already pooped or peed or done something to that effect. And pooping became one of the biggest problems that they were struggling with. So um, he kind of talked about their schedule and their routine and what they're doing. And a lot of the things really don't sound that wrong, but gave us all of the specifics. And really what it came down to. Which is what we need to make some 
really good recommendations. Yeah, it's all we need to be able to help. We have to know what's going on first. So I said, thanks for reaching out and set him up with a specific plan. Basically, if she's coming inside and having accidents, then that means she didn't do it outside. And and if she's doing it immediately when she comes inside, she, she does to need to go. Yep. Yep. 100%. So we just talked about the ways basically to be standing outside, work through that, pull away the distractions. Because it sounded like as the puppy got older and more interested in exploring its environment, it was less interested in going to the bathroom. So didn't want to maybe go back inside immediately after it had gone potty either and miss out on all the fun things to chew and explore. Yeah, that can be part of it. It's pretty much anything that our dogs are doing, they're conditioning themselves. And that includes good things and bad things and the habits that you create. They anticipate everything. So if um, they want to play outside and they learn that the second they go potty, you pick them up and take them back inside, then they may avoid going potty. Um, It's like uh, potty training Aiden right now. Yes, we created a a really bad situation. So we make mistakes too. Yeah, 100%. Aiden's our first child, and we're like, oh, this will be a reward great you way with something to that start you potty enjoy. training. Yeah, we'll reward you with something that you enjoy doing, which is he likes to watch little YouTube Cocoa Melon kid shows. Yeah, on occasion. And he really doesn't get to very often. Mm-hmm. So we say, okay, well, when we're trying to go to the bathroom on the potty, you can watch a show. Well, then he learned to just hold out and not potty and just watch a show and then watch another show and then watch another show because this minute he finished going potty, we would tell him, oh, good job. And then the show would go away. And he's a smart little boy. So he figured this out pretty quick that, well, I just won't go potty and I get to watch all the shows. So now we don't get to watch shows while we go potty. Yeah. And we've kind of uh, also regressed in that department. We have. So, hey, if you've got some (laughs) potty training tips, put them in the comments below. For kids. So anyhow, I helped him through this situation by saying, you know, basically what we need to do in this situation is it's going to take a while in the beginning and it's going to get progressively better. But you need to basically pull away the distractions, stand there with your puppy on leash away from the things and wait. And if she doesn't go to the bathroom, bring her back in, put her in her crate immediately, give her a couple minutes, take her back outside And show her that as soon as we go outside, you can go to the bathroom and then you can play for a little bit or you can come back inside and play for a little bit and anything else. And I just got a message yesterday that said, um, thank you so much. We are 500% better in just uh, a week's time. And no accidents or anything all over the weekend, which was awesome to hear. So huge, huge progress. So it's really fun to see. uh, And to express to you guys that joining on Patreon is going to allow us to help you with your specific situations. Um, here, we're, we're happy to answer questions, but those questions have to be fairly generic or we need all of the information, which typically takes a lot more time. So Yeah, we have to create a dialogue and pull some of that information out of people, uh, maybe see a few sessions if it's an actual training situation before we can get to the root of maybe the issue or the problem to give you the best specific information for you. So for those of you that don't know, that's patreon.com slash standing stone kennels. Now, the last exciting thing in regards to that specifically is we are currently in the process of typing up and adding a new tier that's going to allow you to do video consults. So Zoom meetings or 
we always talk about FaceTime because we have iPhones, but not everyone does. So it would be something like that on a platform that everyone can utilize. Yeah, there's lots of options. We'll figure out which one is the most uniform, but the the ability to sit down and us to give you live feedback. So we just sit and have a conversation about what you're working on and then watch your sessions and respond. So be Should looking be pretty for awesome that. Because now, it allows us to have that at the moment interaction. We can stop a session if you're working on something and say, hey, wait, 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 don't do that anymore. Let's try this instead. Instead of you sending a video... We watch the video the next day we get back to you because that's typically how that goes. And then you read our response. Then you shoot another video. So it takes a couple days potentially to get to the root of something. We're hoping that this will allow people to get feedback on a more instantaneous basis. It's instant, baby. Yeah. So let's get into some questions. Perfect. Unless you have anything else to add. Any more announcements? Uh, I really don't. Okay. Well, if we come up with something else, we'll put it in part two. So first question from Amelia Lang. I might mess that up. It's from Instagram. How long in advance do people generally have to request a puppy? We've been getting tons of puppy questions recently, so I Mm -hmm. thought this would be a good one to just sprinkle in here. Quickly. Yes. He's looking at me to answer this. So, (laughs) no, we can sprinkle it quickly. Um, Basically, right now, um, it is anywhere from a year and a half to two years, approximately. Now, that approximation is variable because things happen. For example, we have an entire litter of males or an entire litter of females. We typically take an even split of deposits on a specific litter, and then we call down our list. So, you could be anywhere from a year and a half to two years. That's what we can kind of promise. That's where we can say, hey, we're for sure we're going to be able to get you a puppy by 2022 this year, you know, this situation. But there is a chance, like Ethan said, that you're going to get a call from me earlier than that saying, hey, we do have one puppy available out of this litter because we had a whole litter of males or I only took six deposits and we had 10 puppies and things got mixed around. Now, if we do have a whole litter of males or something like that, um, I always offer the people that are on that litter that have female deposits the opportunity to take a male if they're interested because for us, we've talked about this and talked about this. There's not a huge difference between males and females as far as personality, trainability, natural ability um, goes, you're going to see the differences in size and then, you know, reproductive systems with heat cycles and then males having some testosterone driven marking outdoors. But uh, for the most part, the hunting ability, the personality is going to be even across the board. So we always say, hey, are you interested first? So uh, if you are open and a little flexible to timing wise, Uh, that could happen as early as in a year or less. And then if you have specific timing and need to be able to plan 100% around that, we are sitting at the approximately one and a half to two year mark. And we try and put less emphasis on coloration. People get really hung up on color um, and more emphasis put on the right litter for you with the right temperament and personality for you because our litters do vary slightly depending on who's being bred uh, but if you have really specific wants of, I want a black and white male, or I want a black and white female, uh, that's usually going to push you further out because those type of things are not guarantees. I mean, we can't program in beep, 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 
mom, I want you to have four black and white females and four liver and white females, please and thank you. It doesn't happen that way. You can't count your chickens or your puppies before they hatch. So we have to, whoops, kind of go um, with generic deposits and things like that to get started. 100%. So that was a good question. And then this one's also a good question because it uh, relates to our story on Patreon a little bit from Michael Whitney 25 on Instagram, crate training, been at it a week now. Our pup screams for at least a half an hour and then pees and poops. I'm assuming that's in the crate because you haven't let them out of the crate while they're screaming and crying. So a couple things that I wanted to just mention, crate training. That's awesome that you're doing it. Um, A week is not really that long to just throw in the towel and be like, I give up. My puppy can't do this. Um, there's really never a point where I would say give up because the reward of crate training is so beneficial once you get there. Um, and you're going to struggle. There's going to be times where, you know, your puppy needs a little more time or, um, you know, you didn't monitor how much water they drank and then they're going to have an accident. But overall, if you can master crate training, you're going to be much happier in life. Um, and it sounds like your puppy just needs to pee and poop if they're going in their crate immediately crying and then, peeing and pooping within a half an hour. They're trying to tell you, hey, I need to go potty. So you're seeing a habit. You're seeing this conditioning process happening. So you need to say, okay, I need to spend whatever amount of time it takes to get you to pee and poop outside before we go back in and go in our crate. Um, Because what's happening is they're going, oh, now that I'm in my crate and I don't have anything else to really think about or do, I'm going, oh yeah, kind of need to go to the bathroom. Well, I better tell my parents that I need to go. And then they're trying to tell you, And they get themselves more and more worked up. And then it's like, okay, I can't hold it any longer. It's just happening. Uh, Whereas if you can spend that time outside getting them to go to the bathroom, kind of like Mike was struggling with, she was getting distracted. So if you can spend that time outside, maybe on a long lead so that they can't get into the bushes or the mulch or whatever that they're distracting themselves with to stay focused on the task of getting their business done, then they can come in and go to the bathroom. Or no, no. Yep. Yep, they can. Have more coffee. Then they can come in and go in their crate. So sorry. This is just coffee, I swear. <laughs> Maybe you need a little more. Um, the <laughs> biggest things are going to be that when we started, you know, and we start with any puppy, they're, they're a little bit different, all of them. But when we started with Thunder, there were a couple times where it was like, we know you need to poop, buddy. And we stood outside for, oh... 30 minutes. Yes. Um, and then had to pull, you know, we didn't have to resort to this because we don't have as many distractions and things like that. But um, we do have the backyard that is, he gets let out in the side yard typically, kind of our setup, but then he has the backyard. Well, there um, was a dog let out into the backyard and he wanted to go see them and that was a distraction. So he had to pull his focus back up and then we walk further away from those distractions and stand there and just wait. And, you know, and there were a few times that it took 30 minutes and then it's like, good boy, that's what you're supposed to be doing and showing him and having the timing and paying attention and knowing when it happened to be able to reinforce the fact that he went to the bathroom outside and then it gets exponentially better. It's to the point now where you basically, you let him outside and he instantly runs out and pees and you go, do you need to do anything else? And if he doesn't come right back to you, like, okay, you're going to poop if he, you know, if he 
comes right back up to the stage. You go, you're good to go. You don't need to do anything else because he's getting to that point where he's consistent enough. So, yes. So the over three weeks now or coming on four weeks, he'll be 12 weeks old this Friday. Um, so over the course of three, four weeks, we've created and conditioned really good habits with him, which is ultimately where you can get to. You're only a weekend. So that's kind of where we were at that struggle point still too with mm-hmm. him and the crate training and the oh, potty yeah. training and consistency. Uh, you know, some days he'd be good. Some days he would have a potty accident in his crate. Um, no pooping, but peeing in his crate. Um, so and usually that was uh, coincided with the fact that he had tanked on water. And it's like, well, we, we know you're going to need to pee a couple times. But and we then just we have estimated. to go run errands and it's going to be three or four hours. And Yeah, or we just estimated wrong and said, okay, he's probably going to need to go out in another 30 minutes because he's just in his crate, you know, chilling. And it needed to be sooner. So, yeah. Things like that happen. So do we have time for another question or not? Yeah. This part. Oh, Oh, good. Good. One last question for part one from Amber underscore Dell on Instagram. Hi, I know y'all said in a recent Yawa that you don't let your dogs rough play in the house. I guess my question is how? That's all my puppy and older dog want to do. And I feel bad just crating the puppy every time. Are there any techniques y'all use besides crating the puppy and using chew bones? Thanks. Well, thank you, Amber, for watching our Yawas. And we are, like I said, that's why sometimes... Hopefully you're not part of the 66%. But don't subscribe. So, however, this is a really great opportunity to expand on one of our previous answers. So I thought Mm -hmm. that that was a really good thing to talk about. So when and how and the things... It kind of depends on how old your puppy is. Um, It doesn't really say, but it says puppy, I would assume youngish. And a big part of that is um, place training. We utilize that a lot. And even though Thunder's not really truly place trained yet, I mean, he understands the Q kennel, but there's no real duration. For the most part. Kind of understands the Q kennel. Um, But there's no real duration yet. It's not like he goes on his dog bed and can stay there for an hour. Um, He has better duration if we give him a little bone or something to chew on his bed. But that place training really. But the old dog should definitely be able to learn and understand, stay here. And that kind of keeps that calmer demeanor. Because even if um, Thunder goes and gets up onto the dog bed with one of the older dogs and lays there and does the things, they may kind of like baby roll around on the dog bed and but they um, can't leave the dog bed so that kind of keeps that level of excitement and play to a minimum minimum and contained to that specific spot interesting too because i watched uh, muddy was um hanging out which is thunder's mama yes so thunder is hanging out with his mom and they were doing um really 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 cool dog interaction and i'm like on my phone i'm going come on get to the video thing let's God. <laughs> Technology. That's what I do all the time. I'm like tap, 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 tap. And I couldn't get it to pull up my video, my video taker. Her camera. Um, there you go. That's the one. And what I was have trying to do. Coffee. Have some more copy. I was trying to actually set up so that I could go live on Instagram. And that's what was taking a while. Um, so that we could pull up and show a live interaction. And I could explain what was going on. So they were doing a little bit of that face fighting kind of playing. Pretty gently, though. No, 100% gentle. But it was one of those things that it was like, I wanted to just show you. Like, this is dog interaction. We have a a 10-week-old puppy, and we have its mom, 
who is no longer nursing and they, they he's not messing with that. He's just hanging out with his mom, which is an adult dog that he's interacting with. And it's just mouths open. It's like face fighting is what we refer to it as. But he would like bite her on the leg and then bite her on the chest and then bite her on the neck and then bite and then bite and 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 bite everything. And she was like with her mouth and she was kind of dodging stuff and then she would bite him and then he would bite her. And that's how they were interacting. And it's like, this is why puppies bite us. Now it makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, and we've seen this before, but it would have been the perfect thing to be able to show people. And he was doing that with Nyx the other day and Quest the other day. And I threw a little clip of it up on the story, just a little story clip, not an actual live video. So it it will happen again. Yeah, and maybe. I mean, he's on that edge where it kind of teeters off, but we have more puppies coming, so I'm sure we'll see it. And if I can get it. We always have more puppies coming. um, Yes. The, but if I can get it, we will uh, try and show that so you guys can see, but I mean, it's just to explain now, obviously the dog's skin's a little tougher than ours as well as they have a better way of communicating. You know, they're going to make the right noises at the right time that it makes the sense to the puppy to say, Hey, that was too much. Stop biting me so hard. But it was the perfect example of showing why that's a natural thing for dogs to do. Now, all of that being said, back to the question specifically, the dog bed and place training really helps to calm down and, and maintain a, a totally different demeanor to that type of play. Yeah, it manages the amount of excitement that can happen. Absolutely. So, great question, Amber. Thank you guys all for watching part one and listening to all of our announcements and subscribing to our channel. And uh, we're going to take a short break. These are also available on our website if you are interested in one. And 100%. Those, those. Yeah, and those. Oh, no, those aren't yet. Uh, they will be. They will be. Thanks for watching. We'll be back in just a minute. one of those fun buttons <laughs> you, you canceled the buttons nothing happened you, you didn't hear that yeah I heard it in mine <laughs> oh I didn't hear it in mine why didn't I hear it in mine I don't have any idea did you really hear it in yours yeah the first time yeah Welcome back to part two of this week's Yawa. Uh, If you missed part one, go back and watch it. We talked a lot about a lot of cool stuff. We talked a lot. We talked a lot. (laughs) It's pretty much what we do. What we do want to say is, though, if this is your first time to the channel, definitely be hitting that subscribe button so that you don't do things like miss the first part of this week's Yawa. Yeah, don't be part of the 66% that don't subscribe. Yeah, why? Why 66%? We don't know. We don't know. But we're happy to help you all out, so let's get started with some questions. Rock and roll. From Rob Scott on Facebook, what's the best course of action for your new puppy's first week of life with you? Should you go crazy with introductions away from home or set it into your home routine first? Large Munsterlander pup, eight weeks old. Well, congratulations on the new large puppy. Munsterlander. Yes, they're so pretty. The last large Munsterlander that I trained, the name was, what was his name? That was a small. Sig. No, oh, no, large. No, no, You're Sig. Ta- yeah, I thought yeah. you were going to say 
one of the small monster landers. No, 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 no. Okay. Sig. I got to watch a large monster lander at one of the Navda tests that I was judging, and mm-hmm. it was a pretty awesome uh, little puppy. It was running the natural ability test. I think we were in South Dakota when I judged it. I judged a ton last year, so it kind of all like blends together. Took a setter and smashed it into a wire hair. And got some crazy woolly coats. This dog had an insane coat. It was pretty impressive. Yeah, because you couldn't do it with a short hair. You'd end up with some short coats and some long coats, but you'd just smash it with the wire hair and you get coated all the way around. But maybe lots of I don't ability, think that's how it happened. lots of drive, lots of personality. Okay, well, that's not how the large Munsterlander came about. <laughs> but if it did, little did you know, <laughs> Ethan. Is not a breed. Uh, what are those called? Genial. Sommelier. I can taste dog breeds with the best of them. Anyway, let's get to answering this question. So this is actually a great question because we just shot a video about this. Uh, and I think it's coming out on Saturday-ish. Don't quote me on that, though, because our schedule kind of... Very soon. Coming very to soon. a YouTube channel Probably within you. the week, but... Uh, We talked about the things that we recommend doing with your puppy when you bring them home um, and definitely getting them set into a routine. First, these are like key words. Um, Rock and roll. Would be our recommendation before just like bombarding them with everything. But that is also one of the things that you're going to want to work on um, almost from the beginning is continued socialization. Not overwhelmingly so where it's like, here, sink or swim, throwing you to the wolves. But um, continued socialization and also developing behaviors that you're going to want in your puppy as an adult are all things that I would recommend starting within that first week. I think it really comes down to the puppy. So if you are seeing boldness and confidence too, uh, then it's a sign that you're ready to continue to do more. You know, it's um, when you're bringing your puppy home, it's important to create the routine. That's the second thing. There's, There's three things. Create a routine, develop behaviors, have expectations and don't make excuses, and continued socialization. Yes. So the three things be checking for it because it's going to come out soon. So if you're subscribed and you've got notifications turned on, you will know about this video. 100%. Now the key to all of those things are going to be if your puppy comes home and maybe had a different kind of start at the breeders and they seem a little apprehensive, pitching them out into the socialization world isn't probably the greatest thing. Um, allow them to adjust a day or two and then start that. But uh, every dog's going to be a little different. So you do need to be able to read your dog. There's no magic thing there. But um, And I would just say, because Ethan mentioned, you know, you want to make sure that your puppy is comfortable and confident. The important thing to remember with that is don't coddle them if they are unsure or apprehensive. We don't want to reinforce that timid personality, that unsureness. We want to redirect their focus and then praise them and tell them what a good job they're doing when they are showing bold and confident traits. So, um, you know, if your puppy gets startled because, you know, you drop something in the kitchen or you bang a pan, you don't go, oh, 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 it's okay, puppy. It's okay. Because then they're like, oh, it's okay to be scared of this loud noise, or it's okay to be unsure with this situation. You just say, puppy, puppy, come on, let's go. And make them 
yeah. forget that that happened. Treat Puppies them like a real short, dog and they'll become a real yeah, dog. Yeah, they have pretty short attention spans. So if we can redirect that focus pretty quickly, they're not even going to be focused on the fact that there was a loud noise a second ago. Um, and I wanted to touch on this because somebody else reached out to me on a, in a message about they're getting a six-week-old puppy. What do we think of that um, type of situation, getting them that young? And that was one of the things that I did mention to them as well. So if you're getting a six-week-old puppy, your puppy's not going to be in the same place in development as an eight-week-old puppy. No, not at all. There is a huge difference that we see between six and seven weeks and then seven and eight weeks. We talk about charging the clicker and using meals for training sessions. And although those things are important, at six weeks, we're going to be more interested on making sure that they get enough food in the day and... Because, um, well, just for example, um, our breezy walker litter right now, they're going to be six weeks old this week and, uh, they're just transitioning to hard kibble. So yeah. if I was like, yeah, get your six week old puppy home and start clicker training with their meal. Well, these guys, you know, wouldn't be quite ready for that. Your eight week old puppy though, is going to be on kibble for the last two be. weeks yeah, with us. Be. And they're going to be ready to just start that clicker training process. Um, In a perfect world, I would say that we would probably send our puppies home between seven and eight weeks. Yeah. Not earlier than seven weeks, though, definitely. No earlier than seven. No, but... um, But our state law requires eight weeks. So that's also something that I mentioned that he look into. Um, Most of them do. I um, I think Wisconsin says seven weeks. I don't know. All I said was look into that and just, you know, take things slow and continue building that confidence and I, they either, socialize. The they're puppy. either not going to have a state law or the state law is going to be something beyond six weeks. I Typically, know yes. Sure. So, so. Um, that also depends. And I would say that the breed of your puppy also will play a big role in, you know, their readiness for new things. Um, some puppies and breeds are a little slower to mature and just have a different personality, you know. For the most part, we're talking about short hairs and they're bold and confident and Mm -hmm. ready. Whereas we worked with a little Brock Francais at our puppy training seminar. She was 10 weeks old? 12. 12 weeks old. Because she was older than Thunder. She was teeny tiny. And she was was littler than Thunder. Um, Her eating habits were slower. So we had to make adjustments for everything. We, you know, Thunder's like scarfing down my hand, trying to get the handful of food. He's a little food motivated. And she was like, nibble, nibble, nibble. So again, we had to make some adjustments. So it depends on your breed as well and And what they're ready for. Mm -hmm. So like, like Ethan said, just read your dog. (laughs) Okay, next question from... Sometimes I have a good idea. Yeah, I'll give you that. Next question from one of our top fans on Facebook. I think that's kind of cool how Facebook tells you who some of your top fans are. Uh, From Eric Doan. Can't wait to see how Thunder continues to develop. How did you choose him from the litter? So I thought this was a really good question to answer since we were just talking about development with puppies and Thunder. Um, So... Also, I don't know if you know, but we've been doing some, uh, because you're on Facebook, so I wanted to mention, we've been doing some IGTV live popping in with some Thunder Development stuff on IGTV. Unfortunately, it doesn't allow us to do both platforms, Um, so we're going to try and do a couple of those on Facebook every once in a while, too, because we saw that they do also have a live, go Mm -hmm. live option, so so that our Facebook fans don't miss out either. But we've been doing some of those, hey, we've got a few extra minutes this afternoon or in the evening. Evenings is usually when we have a little more time because Aiden, our little little boy, is down for the count usually by then. 
Um, Mm -hmm. and so we can do an evening training session with thunder, talk about something like, was it the last video that we were talking about the older dog and puppy interactions and trying to go live with stuff like that, just to show how we expect our dogs to interact so that people get to see, you know, real life. Absolutely. But so your question was, how did we choose him out of the litter? So, uh, the muddy Benny litter was definitely a litter that we were really interested in keeping a puppy out of, but we were very open to a male or a female. We just really didn't know what we wanted until I think we finally made that decision at around six and a half, seven weeks, honestly, where we're like, this is the puppy we were you know, evaluating all of the things that we saw in all of the puppies, um, their personalities, their drive, their just, wow, look at me factor, um, and personality. And we also know that one of our males, Vex, is getting older, and it usually takes a couple of years to develop a new stud dog Mm -hmm. if they make the cut. So we thought, well, we Probably should start sooner rather than later because um, Vex is five. And if it takes us a couple years to develop Thunder and he works out, you know, Vex is going to be around that seven mark before he's doing any breedings. And that's if he works out. And there's a whole gamut of things that we're going to evaluate through his development to see if he makes the cut even, which is part of having... between. Trainability and natural ability and health genetic, clearances, yeah, health clearances, you know, yeah. testing their hips and things like that. So it's not just, oh, we kept a puppy. He's a done deal part of the program. I sure as heck hope he is. Uh, but we also can't be blind to things that are going to affect our breeding program. Great question. So next question by another one of our top fans and also one of our patrons. So I wanted to pop that up there. Where did it go? Oh, there it is. Hello. From James Schick, is there such a thing as a typical day? What things do you try to reinforce in the off-season daily routine? So, great question. Um, I guess for most people, the summer is during the off-season. And so, some things that we like to do is our roading with the dogs, but we have to make sure that it's still cool enough in the morning. And sometimes for us where we're at, even in the hottest part of the summer, it doesn't get down below 70 something overnight. So you want to make sure that it still is cool enough for your dogs to start that right away in the morning. Um, as well as that asphalt can be really warm, um, depending on where you're running or blacktop. Somebody asked me about running their dogs on blacktop, um, and that would get really hot really easily. We actually had somebody reach out to us recently with a situation with a sore pad and their dog was pulling them rollerblading, um, miles and miles and miles on blacktop. So I said, it's probably from heat and overuse and pulling. So you want to watch for things like that because not only are we conditioning them to be in really good shape through roading, but we're conditioning their and toughening their pads to be able to hold up to tough terrain during the hunting season. What would that be called? It's like a blister. Jor- jorging, like so, ro- roller jorging, roll jorging. I don't know. Producer, <laughs> Google that <laughs> for us, real quick. There. Um, so that's one thing that we do. We also typically with older dogs um, that have hit that around a year mark that have had a season of birds, maybe depending on um, 
when they hit that year mark. We'll also be looking at starting potentially a trained retrieve, which is a great thing to do during the summer in the off season because you get to do it in the air conditioning. Yeah, yeah. So you can get all your field work and all of your other things done early and then all of your indoor obedience and your trained retrieves and things like that, formal retrieving work uh, done in the afternoons when it's warming up. So we do a lot of retrieving work in the summer and the off season, um, continuing working on obedience all the time. That's something that can never be overdone because like you said, the off season, not everybody has the opportunity to hunt all year round, unless you're traveling like a crazy person from this country to that country, to this area, to that area, to be able to hunt all year round. Uh, so most dogs have an off season and it can be a pretty long time that they need to be able to be a good well-rounded part of the family in the house. I, I would say that most people would agree with the fact that <clears throat> their dogs are family companions 365 days a year and get to hunt during approximately, I don't know, 10 to 30 of them, depending on the family. Um, and 30 being on the probably pretty high end of that. For sure. So definitely obedience. You can always do more obedience from healing to place training to um, sit stays. Things that I wouldn't recommend during the off season would be um, getting launchers and setting up training drills or trying to do bird work based things. And the reason for that, they would be fine as long as they're not crappy situations. So you definitely don't need to be going way backwards in training because a lot of people that pick dogs up from our program say, now um, what do I do? Now what do I do? Do I need to get launchers? Do I need to continue to work on this? No, your dog's already hunting and ready for this. So we need to stay on that tier and continue to move forward. Um, so if you can find quality birds, which you have to be borderline a magician to find quality birds between the months of about May and August, which color me magic. Ethan's um, a magician. But we, you know, those birds are primarily bred and raised for dog trainers and get eaten up by those. So there's not a lot extra dog to go trainers around. and typically like hunt tests and trials use up yes. a lot of those birds too during the Sorry, summer. Do- dog training related though for test yeah. trials and trainers. But, um, Aside from that. Yeah. So if your dog is already trained to be ready for hunting season or they've already had a season of birds, you don't need to go back to doing. Our personal dogs may realistically see half a dozen times between the start of between the end of hunting season and then the start of hunting season again, unless they're prepping for a test. They may only see birds a half dozen times. And a lot of times that'll be some of the resident uh, quail or something or an extra training bird that gets left out in the field from whatever. We do a free run and they run into it and it's like, all right, handle it. Well, let's work it. Let's work it. But we're not typically going out and setting extra birds for our personal dogs. Unless, like Ethan said, we're prepping for some higher level of testing at that point. Most of the birds that you can get from somebody, we refer to as stupid birds. And stupid birds create stupid dogs. Um, You need good birds to create good dogs, and those would be... Wild. Wild and or quality birds at a release farm, something like that. Now, um, there are places out there, and I'm sure there are lots of them, but um, there are some places out there that kind of do the game preserve aspect of things, right? Uh, One of which, if you are in Iowa or the southeast or within a short drive of the southeast part, I would go to Highland um, Hideaway. Yep. 
Uh, they, those guys over there do a really, really good job of, they dump the birds out and you go hunt them. And it's, well, where would we find birds here? Well, there might be a couple in this food plot. Oh, they're going to be down here along the edge of the draw and the thicker cover because they act more like as they act as wild as released birds really can. Right. There's a, even towards the end of the season, their birds are really good still because we've gone out there for, we go out there pretty much every year, except this last year with, you know, COVID we go out there and do their cabin fever hunt, which is basically the last weekend of the preserve season. And we get an opportunity to do kind of a fun competition hunt with a team. There's an occasional stupid bird, but there's also birds that we track for 150, 200 yards that blow out. 30, 40, 50 yards ahead of us. You know yeah, I mean? or that, you know, sometimes it's been snowing, so we get a different look at the what those birds look like. So, um, but that's at the end of the season. Usually you're not expecting really great birds at that point, and they've been really, really so good. So find a good preserve or, or something like that if you're wanting to get a little bird work in. And then also I would just mention too, um, you can use a treadmill for conditioning. If it's mm-hmm. getting too hot out to do roading and other things like that, it's a very controlled way in the air conditioning, like I said, to keep your dog in shape. Um, and then doing some swimming is also great conditioning, but keep in mind that that water temperature also gets pretty warm. It's not just, oh, well, we're in the water, so it's going to be great. No, that water can I would warm- say that's probably the biggest conditioning misconception that people have. Yes, because that water gets warmed up, and if it feels like bath water, that dog's not going to be able to cool off, and then they're down in that water, and they're not getting the opportunity for the wind to do any evaporative cooling so that they can even overheat in water. So you want to make sure that you watch Mm -hmm. for that. If you're in a bigger body of water... 70 degrees is 70 degrees. Except 70 degrees in the water, then you're also not getting that, you know, air movement as well for your dog. Mm -hmm. So... Those are some really good things that you can do off-season, daily routine conditioning, um, not only physical conditioning, but, you know, keeping them sharp mentally, doing more challenging training with them from formal retrieving work to more expectations with obedience. So, 100%. And then this question segues right from what Ethan was talking about. So we're going to hit on that and then we'll call it good for part two. From And I love the Instagram handle, pheasant breath. Pheasant breath. Yeah, you can. He's gonna check me. Hmm. 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 Picking up our trained dog in August. He'll be ten months old. Planning to hunt him on preserve birds first, and then after we have more experience with him, we'll start to go after wild birds on public land. Any issues or things to watch out for with that approach? So, first of all, that kind of segues with you know the off season. Your dog's going to have had training. Um, to be a hunting dog, to be ready for hunting season. And most people's hunting seasons don't typically start as early as August. So maybe September, you'd get into some actual hunts or October. Um, You don't need to do that for your dog, but doing it for yourself to start feeling more comfortable handling them and in a controlled situation with just you and your dog, instead of going out with a hunting party or something like that is not a bad idea, especially if you get a you know, go to a preserve that's got quality birds, like Ethan mentioned in the last um, little question answer. So quality birds, but it's a really good idea to go out maybe a couple times for you to feel comfortable handling your dog. Because I know when people pick up their dogs from us, we take time to show them everything that there's dogs learned in the field. We have them handle them in the field, have them handle them in the um, obedience stuff in the yard and in the kennel. Uh, But 
people get overwhelmed. Sure, it's a lot of information to take in. Yeah, people spend usually a couple hours, two hours, and that's, you know, a lot to take in, especially if it's stuff that you're not super familiar with and you're trying to remember all the cues and all the things and when to push the button, when not to push the button. So having a couple opportunities where the pros aren't looking over your shoulder where you're feeling nervous as well gives you an opportunity to work through a couple things, come back to your trainers with a couple questions if you run into something in the field and be like, ah, how did they say to do this? Then you can reach out to them and then feel more comfortable before hunting season even starts. Absolutely. So really great question. Great questions this week. Uh, thank you guys all for asking them. And we will be back with you after we take a short break and get some more coffee. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. That's what happens when you get a refill. Hot, hot coffee, hot, hot coffee. coffee. Well, welcome to part three of this week's Yawa, and this will be the third and final part. For those of you that are just tuning in to our channel for the first time, definitely hit that subscribe button and then go back and watch part one and two. Talked a lot about a lot. Those weren't real words. We talked a lot about some really cool stuff. There were some great questions about and training during the off season and some puppy stuff. You know, all the good stuff. And we mentioned some of the cool new stuff uh, merch wise. We've got coffee mugs because we're coffee aholics, and some new hats that are up on the website. If you like hats and you want to represent, because all of you have been asking for a very long time. When are you going to get more hats? We got them. Yes, we did. And uh, my favorite one so far is the America hat. Just in time for the 4th of July. So America. Get it while the getting's good. Guaranteed to make you run faster and jump higher. Not really, but we put that in the description anyway. Okay. <laughs> I didn't have anything to do with that description. You're welcome. Okay, so I'm going to get started on some of these great questions. Um, This one's from Lacey underscore Burnett on Instagram. I love your channel and content. Thank you. It's extremely helpful in training my GSP. I have a two-year-old GSP, and anytime I make him sit and wait, whether it's training or in public, he starts to whine profusely. Mm. He starts to whine as soon as he is told to stop and wait. We've tried to use an e-collar, but it doesn't seem to work. Any advice on how we can get him to stop whining and be patient? We got him out a year old where he came to us without any previous training, so any tips would be very much appreciated. Thanks. So the fact that you have age against your side is um, is going to be a little bit more of a struggle because anytime the dogs are older, it, you hear, oh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, you can. It just takes a little longer. and Because he's got two years longer. of habits right now yeah. under his belt that we're going to have to be working against. A lot longer depending on the level of conditioning. So all you have to be doing here is um, the key is going to be proper timing. And 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 reinforcement based training. I wouldn't I wouldn't venture to the negative aspect of things 
um, or the punishment-based things, excuse me, not negative, but punishment-based training right away, um, I would be more inclined to just show him that whining isn't what gets the response. And that's going to take some time, which is going to involve you sitting, having him stay and wait and waiting him out. That might take an hour. I mean, it could take a little longer than that, but I mean, realistically, you could be looking at a solid hour of sitting there listening to the little whimper, but depends how persistent and determined he is mm-hmm. and his personality with that. Yes, and then as soon as the whining stops for more than a like a second, you know, it's like make sure it really has stopped. It stopped. Then you would you can utilize a clicker in this time period, and you would mark and say good boy and reward him, and then start again. So that's one rep that took an hour. Um, it's kind of like what we do with some of the free shaping in the kennel with dogs and training, where you know we we want yep. a desired behavior like laying down but it needs to be the dog's idea. You can't really, you know, mark and reward quiet behavior out of a dog until it's their idea, truly. Um, mm-hmm. You can't stop them from whining. You can say, hey, quiet down, and they go, ooh, and then you go, ooh, good boy. No, that's just... That's not going to work. It's not going to work. But the powerful part of free shaping is maybe that first rep takes an hour, like Ethan said. Mm-hmm. The next rep might take another hour, but they're going to start picking up, oh, that's how I'm getting this reward. Okay, stop whining faster next time and faster. And then soon they're going to stop whining, you know, within a couple minutes. Typically. They will stop. I guarantee you they will stop. It will seem like it's not going to happen, but they will stop. And I mean, it could be hours and hours, depending on the dog, of waiting them out in their crate or waiting, you know, all of those kind of things. It's, it's all about being able to show them. This is what we're looking for. This is what's getting you rewarded. Yep. And I mean, you think about a dog sitting and staying or place training for an hour. They're they're eventually, if there's not a lot of activity going on, they're going to be like, this is boring and lay down. And then when that shift happens between them going, obviously, I'm not getting what I want. I'm going to just lay down or I'm going to stop whining or do something else. Click to mark that and say, that right there is what we want. We want you to be calm and quiet. And a lot of trainers don't utilize free shaping because it takes a while, especially in those first few reps. And we're trying to be efficient and trying to get through all these dogs and all these training sessions. And we don't have time for an hour. Well, if you're impatient in your training, you're not going to actually end up teaching your dog patience. So you just have to be patient Put in the time now, and then hopefully in the next, you know, six months, this whining is no longer an issue. If I heard something really consistent. cool yesterday. This is from a, a different trainer. It's uh, Bob over at Lone Duck Outfitters or Lone Duck Kennels. They have um, a podcast, and they're, I know, starting a YouTube channel. And he said, you have to train. If I, I'm just trying to do this without screwing it up. You have to train a fast dog slow and a slow dog fast. And basically that mentality to... Which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, it was really, it was, I was like, whoo, deep. Um, So the dog that's amped up and is energetic and bold and pushy and all those things, you have to work a ton on patience and slowing everything down so that they can come down to that manageable level. But then you have that dog that's like, 
meh. You need to have short sessions that are faster. Lots of excitement. excitement. You need to be building them up to bring them up to that level where they, you know, they kind of fit into more what we're going to need to see out of them. And not drag those sessions out where they're like, now this is really boring or I'm tired. That is, I like that. I like it too. That's why I just said it. It's a good one. But uh, if you guys get the opportunity, definitely hop over, check his stuff out. Um, so a lot of great content, just the same, and uh, really, really, really good guy. That was a good little segue. Next question from Chris, uh, Christine Rousey. I have a two-year-old GSP. Wait a second. Is that Rhonda's distant cousin? <laughs> I don't know. Can I get an autograph? I have a two-year-old GSP, the sixth GSP. Just asking. He is great in everything except leash walking. Any hints appreciated? Try to harness a nose collar, martingale harness, or martingale stopping, slow walking. He accepts all this but wants to lead. You have done the things. I mean, really, it sounds like you've done the things. Yes. Does so, it say how old? I, two-year-old. I miss that? Two-year-old. You were all... Excited about getting an autograph. So he yeah, missed no, the first I mean, part. Yeah, she's two a professional old, wrestler. MMA goes professional wrestler. Come on now. Two-year-old GSP. Their sixth GSP. Got it. Okay, now he knows all the details again. So you've tried all the things, which we actually uh, have talked about doing a video comparing all of these different types of le- um, leashes and healing equipment. Uh, we like our easy lead for healing because it's really easy and it works for a lot of dogs. Um, I can't say all dogs because we've had a few people that say, yeah, my dog hates this. I'm sending it back. Uh, most of the time that truly is because they haven't given it enough time or introduced it properly. Uh, but we haven't seen those sessions, so I can't make a complete generalization. However, trying out our easy lead might be a really good option for you. So we have some videos on our channel showing how to use the easy lead, uh, how to introduce it, how to put it on properly, as well as it's available on our online store. Standingstonekennels.com slash uh, store. store. We'll and get then, you there. And then there's categories and easy lead is one of the top categories. So then you can get one, try it out, uh, the thing that we want to talk about, because this is how it gets used to begin with a lot of times, is as a healing, uh, pulling management system instead of a training aid and tool. And that's so, wrong. Throw a big red X up here. Pulling, pulling management system. Yeah. It's not meant to be used that way forever because anything, any training tool that's used improperly can cause problems, of course. Yep. So we want to use the easy lead as a pressure on, pressure off training aid, training system, so that when your dog isn't pulling ahead and is in a proper healing position, the pressure comes off. If they start pulling ahead, that pressure comes on. And we don't want to toughen them to that pressure, which is how prong collars typically get used improperly, Mm -hmm. is the dogs end up toughening themselves to that pressure, and they're like, well, I can just pull through this. Uh, So what ends up happening if you're just using it as a pulling management system is the dogs will eventually go, I can, yeah, I could probably deal with this discomfort a little bit so that I can pull against it still. But that level of pull is so much less than what it has been in the past, it still seems doable, Mm -hmm. I guess, and not a big deal. So 
Don't use it as a polling management system. Use it as a way, a progression training tool where you start with it up over the muzzle. To, to develop a behavior of not pulling on the leash. Yes. And then you're going to be able to transition from over the muzzle where it's flipped up to just a slip style lead. Which is a slip style leash is the way a lot of dog trainers, bird dog trainers especially use, you know, that's all they use to train with. So we were adding uh, us, uh, basically another step, a baby step in the beginning process to help develop better behaviors faster. And we talk about a lot that the smaller steps we take in dog training, the faster that we can get there. And that's what we've kind of done with this. So then you have the slip lead. And then you can start overlaying an e-collar with your corrections um, and then eventually transition to a clip lead and then get to the point where you can heel off lead. Uh, That's not something we recommend doing in town ever because you can't necessarily have perfect timing all the time if that transmitter is not in your hand and there's too many unpredictable things that can happen um, when you're walking along the side of a road or something like that. We shot a video recently that shows exactly how to do this and the name of the video is... Are you talking about the three biggest mistakes? Yeah, the three biggest mistakes that people make. um, We shot a video recently, yet the video still doesn't show up in our recent videos because we shoot a lot. Yeah, we do. We shoot a lot of videos, guys. But we can put the link up down here somewhere. Um, but it's the three biggest healing mistakes, I think. That's what I'm trying to find exactly. We're still it's looking called. for it. But uh, I would try out the easy lead and see if that is a good solution for you. You'll still look. I'm going to move ooh, on to the ooh, next. Ooh, oh, 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 oh! There it is. It says, "How to teach any dog to heal perfectly." And then the thumbnail that you're looking for, it's a picture of Roglet. And it says, three biggest healing mistakes. I can't make that any bigger. So. No, not in that view. Wah, wah, wah. I said three biggest healing mistakes, but that was the thumbnail title. So mm-hmm. if you searched for that, you might not find it. Uh, that's why, hopefully it'll come up along the bottom. I was trying to tr- try and make sound effects with my mouth. It didn't work. Next question. Not those sound effects uh, from, I love this Instagram tag, Lord Albert the Pug. We have a lot of dogs that follow us. It's fantastic. I love it. Hi, first of all, thanks for shipping your easy lead all the way across the pond to Denmark. You're welcome. We were just talking about the easy lead. I would guess the easy lead isn't going to work all that well on the pug, though. There's no muscle. can't, I think he has a, he has a, we're talking about a new dog, a Wyme Lab mix. Ah, <laughs> that one will work. This the next part of the question. Now, my eight month old Wyme Lab mix is quite skittish when it comes to loud, sudden noises. I assume due to a bad experience during New Year's where we got caught outside at fireworks started close mm, to us. Yeah. I'm training her for upland hunting, so awesome. need her to be desensitized to gunfire, but I'm afraid to make her even more scared. Even the small poppers at a long distance, like 150 feet away, will make her become noticeably nervous, even with her favorite bumper being thrown all at the same time. So what? There's more. Oh, sorry. What can I do to help her overcome her fear of loud noises and start associating gunfire with something positive? She is not really food motivated, but I can use her toys and especially her bumpers as a motivator. So this is a great question, and I wanted to hit on it because guess what's coming up? Fourth of July. Yes, and a lot of people. Insert fireworks here. 
Yeah, and a lot of people have puppies. We have a puppy. Um, the great thing about where we live, we live in the middle of nowhere. So we don't have to worry about getting caught outside and fireworks going off unexpectedly. But I know a lot of people that live in town have to worry about this in Absolutely. their neighborhood because Absolutely. your puppy's going to have to go potty outside at some point in time. And you never know when the neighbor kids are going to light off some fireworks or firecrackers in the side yard. So first things first. We get this question a lot. Yes, we do ship outside of the United States. Anything on our store, bop in there. It'll give you estimated shipping rates. If it looks ridiculous, it's because we've tried to not get screwed. There's been a few times where stuff's popped through and it's like uh, cost us a hundred bucks to ship something to somebody because it didn't calculate correctly. I just looked up some shipping for... um a client is a quote, $165 and they passed, which I completely understand. Totally understand. So if you, you look at it and you go, wow, that's ridiculous. Just reach out to us. We want to get stuff to you and we want to find something reasonable. We're just trying to cover our butts too. Yep. Um, now on to the fireworks and no. desensitizing and how to work through this. I'm going to say it right now. Cause the meme is going to start rolling around. It always does every year. Oh, your dog's scared of fireworks. That's cute. Mine looks for birds. Well, it's it's not. It's, That's not there's the no case. context, and it's not a real thing. Maybe you're lucky, and your dogs enjoy fireworks. Fantastic, but there's a lot of dogs that are great bird dogs that won't because there's zero context associated with just loud noises going off and bright lights, and it can be startling. So don't feel um, like you've got a bad bird dog. Yeah. And, and if you uh, see the meme, don't pass it around. It's not helpful to anybody. So agreed. That's a unpopular opinion that I'm sure is going to make the cut for Ethan's brutally honest comments. Ethan's brutally honest comments. Hey, don't be stupid. Okay. Don't pass the meme around about how your dog's is a, a bird dog and better than everybody else's because it's a not afraid of fireworks. Badass that loves fireworks. Um, because we have a dog, had a dog, Snap, that she was afraid of fireworks and thunder and storms and one hell of a bird dog. So, yeah, but she didn't like the other things. So, what do we do? We help her. You know, I mean, it's a big, it's a big part of it. There's zero context in associated with that. And that's the key here. All right. So there it is. So got that off my chest. I feel better. Feel so much better now. Mm -hmm. So Lord Albert, the pug, uh, do you have access to live birds is something that I would ask you about. Cause he didn't mention, no, he he said bumpers and food and yep. So a with food motivated with your eight month old, I would say that's something else that you could be working on is building food drive and motivation. Dogs that are, you know, willing to work for food and willing to work in training sessions are going to have a better mentality about training overall and a better work ethic and more drive and desire. So Mm -hmm. we can teach and train good eating habits by using their meal for their training sessions. Um, And then when they lose focus or lose interest, we take the meal away. It's a little tough love, um, but dogs aren't going to let themselves starve. They want to eat. They need to eat. Uh, so don't let them graze. Don't let them pick at it all day. If they're done eating and not, not focused anymore, take it away. Come back with a regular meal portion for dinner. Try again with a training session. Again, if we lose focus, take it away. In a couple of days, they're not going to be missing any meals. Well, and we're not big naturalists, if you will, as it comes to training. There's probably some fancy word. Maybe Jess can find it for us. Um, she, she knows all the right words. So it's uh, the... 
but but I'm not saying like uh, oh they have to be trained like wolves because they're ninety nine point yeah nine percent genetically the same and that has to be no but um, they do have to be dogs first and they are bred and developed and um, designed to be working dogs so their brains operate better when they're working they just do it's what comes most natural to them. And when they're not in a state of understanding that work is a part of life, they, they end up, you know, pushing to different outlets that becomes destructive or not obedient or not willing to do kind of what we're looking for. So, so I definitely think that building some good food motivation is going to help you out overall with your dog. Mm -hmm. Um, so that if you can get live birds and get a bird introduction, those live flapping excitement based birds, dogs are prey driven animals. They want to catch and kill things. I mean, that's also what they've been bred to do for years and years and years. Yes. Um, you know, he said he's using poppers of some sort, like light poppers. I'm assuming poppers in some kind of a blank pistol type of gun. So it kind of depends on what you're looking at there. Now I do want to point out that any type of rifle round has a different type of sound and it's, it's a little not, sharper usually. Yes. And that goes back into the context aspect of things. I have an entire kennel full of dogs that are not, you know, uh, all of my personal dogs Killed lots of birds of them, no gunfire issues, but you get a rifle out and it's a louder slash a different noise. And even that I've made a, a long time ago, but I made a, a mistake of shooting something while they were in a close vicinity. It was like we're in the country and a coyote ran through the backyard or, you know, that kind of something happened. I don't remember exactly, but I know that I noticed that the rifle sound startled the dog and it was like, you they have a gunfire introduction. It a yeah, it was like, whoa, what the heck was that? Because it's a completely different noise. So don't use 22s. Don't use pistols. Don't, don't use, use rifles. Any type of rifle. Any of those kind of things are going to be different. So pick poppers. I'm hoping your poppers are either like 12-gauge shotgun poppers or... Um, we use 209 primers as primers well. Primers are going to be a similar pop type of noise or then just the shotgun themselves, uh, lower... Um, gauges are going to be better. Lighter rounds are going to be better. And then you said 150 feet, give or take, which is approximately 50 yards. If I'm doing my math right. And um, you can go a further distance. I mean, you can go all the way out to. We usually with like when we did our puppy intro, we probably were 70 yards um, when we did our puppy seminar. Yep, we were probably about 70 yards to start out with. Pretty close. Yeah. So almost double the distance that you're talking about. And we used, um, poppers. Now those are Kent. Uh, we use all Kent ammunition on here and they were Kent's, uh, field trial blanks is what they're called. And they work in a regular 12 gauge shotgun. Anybody that's struggling. We're also set up as a dealer because I wanted to be able to get, um, those blanks. Cause a lot of people struggle to find those. They don't carry them in very many stores. So we are set up as a dealer. You have to reach out to me. I don't have stuff on the website and I won't. So Because there are definitely a lot more limitations as far as like ammunition sales. We would have to check into sending them to Denmark. Yeah, I don't think I could do that. But um, the all, all of that being said, full circle here. Um, start out further away. Start out further away. And then the, the last thing is going to be 
If you're around buildings, this is something that can be overlooked often as you go out in the backyard and you're right by your shed in the back of your house and, and you're, um, I need to, I need to, I need to reach out to the, I've got a brother who is a acoustician, um, not an acoustical engineer. He reminds me of that every time I mention him as an acoustical engineer. So I need to reach out and find him so I can get the actual words. But basically, the sound bounces off the buildings and makes weird echoes and weird things happen. Which... And then it sounds like that gunfire is coming from all these different directions, which can be even more overwhelming to a dog that's yes. unsure. Yes. So those are all things to keep in mind. And So get in a wide open field, increase your distance, and find something that your dog is more excited about. Hopefully that's birds. Yes. And, but don't do it all at once. Don't be like, well, we're going to do all these things <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, if you do get live birds and your dog hasn't been introduced to live birds yet, you want to do that first mm-hmm. before adding the gunfire. And something too, depending on the level of sensitivity your dog has, um, and if you can go to the exact same place to train over and over and over, you can build excitement without gunfire involved in the beginning and just having fun with bumpers, having fun with those live birds and those toys and then go home, mm-hmm. then come back, do the same thing, then go home, then come back and maybe do one shot. Get more excited the, after that gunfire, then go home. That then would come be back the last thing. And do a couple shots because if you've already got, go. I've got a flow here. Go. You've got a flow. Cause if you flow, baby flow, if you've already got a sensitivity issue, you really need to go slowly. You can't push through that. You can't say, I'm going to get you over this. I need to take a step back, build confidence, build excitement, um, make that dog have, not make, but let that dog have as much fun with the situation and build their boldness and confidence back up before reintroducing any gunfire. And don't push it. If you see a slight, oh, I did pay attention to that, even at 70 yards, back up further. And don't even... you know, go back to gunfire right away. Again, more excitement. You want to have as much excitement as possible when that gunfire is going off so that they don't even pay attention to it. That would be the key. And I think that a lot of people get hung up on overdoing training sessions in general. And this is one that's very easy to overdo. As soon as you see any, you know, slowdown or lack of, you know, like they're pumped for the first two or three or four retrieves. And then you're like, Ah, I think I saw a little bit of hesitation either on the way out or the way back. Just like they're getting less excited. You've already gone too far. You need to be keeping that shorter than that. So two or three birds or two or three retrieves and two or three shots maybe um, is a great session. And do this over time. Don't try and cram it all into one. They're conditioned to gunfire now because it won't work. Right. And it always, but it, it, it could also go really bad. Always end on an exciting note. So after you have done a retrieve and you're like, yeah, my puppy looks like they're getting a little less enthused about this. Get all excited, act goofy, tease them, play. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get that bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then put it away. Don't give them another retrieve, but end with that level of excitement coming back up. So this was so fun. I do want another one, but I don't get another one. Maybe next time. Absolutely. So you can end that with a really excited, um, positive note with your dog. So um, we actually have a video on how not to introduce your dog to gunfire. Um, So there's some other tips and tricks in there that you might want to check out, as well as if anybody's got a puppy and they're worried about fireworks, you know, I don't know if we actually talk about that in that video. No. Ah, we might. I don't remember. 
it was a while ago, but it's also a really good resource to check out whether about fireworks or just you're looking at doing gun introductions. Cause we just got reached out yesterday about, um, how to do a gunfire introduction. Should I go to a clay shooting event? I'm like, no, not for the intro. No, it may have worked out for your one dog one time and you're super lucky, but it's definitely not something that I would have, um, attempted with any of our dogs no. ever just because it can set you up for some not success. Thanks guys for watching. It was a fantastic question and uh, we appreciate everybody's questions this week. We got to as many as we could and we're sorry for any of you that sent questions that didn't get answered. Definitely, if you're still needing help, reach out to us at patreon.com slash standingstonekennels where we are answering questions on the daily. There's very, very infrequent times that we aren't getting to that uh, six days a week. So, Yep, usually Sunday we try and take a family Try day. to. Yep, try to invest as we can. So thanks, guys. I'm the guy with the pink gun. I'm Cat the dog trainer. And we will see you in the next video.